as it stands today, we're recording this on July 18th. This is the Blazers' depth chart as of today. This is as of who's under contract right now. This is if if the regular season started tomorrow and no more moves were made. This is their depth chart. So at point guard, got Damian Lillard, Scoot Henderson, and Keon Johnson. At shooting guard, you have Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, and Jonathan Williams, who I, you know, I should put I should put the caveat that his salary is becomes is fully non guaranteed if he's waived before uh, August first. So I don't know whether he's going to be around or not. Uh, at small forward, you've got Matisse Thybul, who I would assume is going to start because they just re-signed him. Nasir Little, and then their other two draft picks, Chris Murray and Rayon Rupert. Rupert looks like he's going to be a mixer. He's going to be in the G League, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. At power forward, you have Jeremy Grant, who they just re-signed, Jabari Walker, and John Butler Jr., who's on a two-way. And then at center, you have Yusuf Nurkic and Ibu Baji, who's also on a two-way. So you're basically looking at, like, a lot of the same issues that they had last year. Because So you're starting five. If, if the season starts tomorrow, your starting five is going to be Dame, Ant, Thibel, Jeremy, Nurk. That's a pretty good starting lineup. Just like those four guys plus Josh Hart instead of Thibel was a pretty good starting lineup last year. But you have the exact same issue that you had last year where there's no depth, there's no experience. Like as good as Shaden was, like this, you know, the second half of his rookie season, as good as people think Scoot is going to be, that's two guys with not a lot of experience. Nasir Little is the only veteran uh, on this, you know, it, on, on the bench, you know, on this bench unit, and he's been pretty inconsistent over his first four years. And, like, size-wise, they're even thinner because Drew Eubanks left for Phoenix and they waived Trent and Watford. So, like, it's just, you know, the waving, whatever the happens. The waving Watford thing is still, like, I I have no idea why. I mean, I know that it was before. That was just that was just his guarantee date. Okay, was, so they just did it to save money. Like, that's really. Well, I think they was, like, roster flexibility. Something Joe has talked about, was, and I asked him about this at his press conference in Vegas where he talked about the Dame stuff, was... I asked him kind of how he's going to go about building the rest of the roster with, you know, the Dame thing just, like, hanging over everything. And he said that basically everything's on pause until this gets figured out. But he also said that he wants to keep some roster spots open in case they have to take back multiple players in a trade. Which is... Which makes sense, makes but, sense. Right but, now they, yeah, makes sense. right now they have 13 players under contract. The league requires you to carry 14. This is not counting two ways. So they're going to have to sign somebody between now and training camp just to hit the league minimum. Yeah, well, and Uber, I mean, the two guys that I'm looking at are both from Charlotte, Ubre and PJ Washington, and they technically, they have most of the MLE, right? They have the full MLE. They have, they, they have, they have done nothing in free agency besides re-sign Jeremy and match the Matisse Thibel offer sheet. They have all of their stuff. They have the MLE. Uh, they have the full, uh, you know, the, the, the full 12 and a half million MLE. They have the biannual, which is like four and a half. They have a $8.3 million trade exception from the Gary Payton trade that they could use if they wanted to. They have, they have the stuff. They can sign. They can do stuff. I just, I don't, and the Eddie Tavares thing, I'm probably going to write about next week. There's, you know, I've gotten some clarity on what the, rules are about the buyout there's some like that's something like i think they they want to bring him over i think he wants to come but there's there's some issues there with with the buyout that i'm going to get more into next week but yeah like they 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 have like their exceptions and they have the trade exception and they have stuff and you know if they want to they could you know unlock the chicago pick and use the ant and picks to do stuff but 
I think we're going to be going into the training camp and the start of the season with Joe Cronin saying a lot of the same stuff that he said a year ago about how, you know, this roster is still not complete. We know we're not good enough. We're it's still taking some time, which I had kind of thought that the time was going to run out on that. I know. Um, and it should have, but they're not, I mean, obviously they're not going to, I mean, if they're going to not make any moves and they want to maintain flexibility for getting a bunch of players back in a game trade, but the longer this goes, like, and the likelihood of Dame showing up to training camp increases, they have to do something. Like, 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 even if like you just want to hold out Dame to get the best deal, like, even for Scoot and Shaden and Ant, like they need the roster balance. Like, 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 like they need to do something. Like, I can, I can appreciate Joe saying that, but it's also. If they're playing hardball and saying if it takes months, it takes months, then they do have to fill out the roster at some point. You know, like like, like they, they do have to do that. And they have to create some kind of a team. And, uh, I mean, I'm looking at the MLE. So if they use the MLE, are they hard capped? Yes. If they if they do more than the taxpayer MLE, which is which now it, you you used to be able to sign a player to a three year deal in the taxpayer MLE, that's two now. So you anything more than a two year ten million dollar deal hard caps them. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't. The thing is, is like, it seems like all the teams with cap space have dried up, and I think maybe that's you know the the problem with the mid level is that exact problem right there is that if you use it then you're hard capped and if i believe if you're hard capped you can't sign buyout guys no well no 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 or is that no, the, the sec- second that's, apron? that's the that's the second apron i think a lot of that stuff doesn't kick in until next year right right now so i have their salary sheet in front of me right now they are about 3.3 million below the uh the luxury tax if they waive uh Jonathan Williams who is fully non-guaranteed before August 1st they get to about a little over five million below the luxury tax so they could in theory use the taxpayer mle portion of the mle and not hard cap themselves okay well yeah i I find that if they if they do if they do anything above a two-year 10 million dollar deal for anybody then they're hard capped and the hard cap number is uh is the first apron so it's 172 million would be their hard cap okay all right well, I mean, I think that definitely that complicate, but I, I it complicates things a little bit. But I think you know they could sign someone. Judging by you know the amount of guys that have signed minimum deals, they could, but I mean, there's not many of those guys left. I mean, I, and I think they really need center depth behind Nurk mm-hmm. if Nurk is going to be back there because I like Baji. Baji showed a lot of really good things, but he's never played in an he's NBA never played game. in an NBA game. He's still learning. I think I think they need a vet in that spot. Um, I just saw the oh Yurt Seven went. Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel just got signed today. Uh, so so those the, like they need some kind of I, in my opinion they need a veteran center of some sort. Um, I've said it online. I wouldn't be against bringing back Myers Leonard, uh, but you know I know that that doesn't really get the people going, but. That's that. Yeah, that's gonna be a whole. Thing. It's gonna be a whole thing. But you know, he's seven feet tall. He's athletic, and he can shoot. I think you know. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, and if you want to create spacing for your guards, and Myers sets a good pick. I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, like. No, that's like that. That's that's what that's what you're working with in the center the free problem. agent market that, that, right that, now. You're yeah, not exactly. And I would love, like, look, like I would love a world in which they do a sign and trade with PJ Washington. I guess I'm just not really seeing that existing. Like, I get the, yeah. I get the idea behind it, and I've always liked PJ Washington as a potential fit for the Blazers, but he's kind of an undersized five, kind of plays power forward, which you already have Jeremy, and you're paying Jeremy a lot of money to do that. I think Kelly Oubre, if if you're gonna go for a wing, would be a better fit. But it does feel like you're already coming. In, like if you're gonna, Kelly Oubre is coming in here, like they just signed Tybal. You might have to if you have this roster construction, you're gonna have to swing shading up to the three. Like I think big is probably where they've got to find an extra solution here, um, because I just don't know if like for other wings, if the wing situation here is that attractive. You've watched more EuroLeague than I have. What is the Eddie Tavares appeal and draw? I just remember he was like on the Hawks and the Cavs for like a minute. I think he averages like 14 rebounds a game or something in the EuroLeague. Now, he's the all-time EuroLeague leader in blocks for a career. Yeah. Uh, like he's had a really, really good EuroLeague career. He's won Defensive Player of the Year three times in the Spanish League. Like he's 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 had a really impressive career since he went back over to Spain and, you know, with Mike Schmitz being a, you know, such an internationally focused guy, as far as like his draft work, I'm not surprised that that's somebody they're looking at. I do think it's, there's but, a little factor though, that like, I like him in the Euro league and he's a monster. And like, he was a big reason why they won the Euro league final mm-hmm. in FIBA though. He, it, the FIBA is a little bit more forgiving to the big man. There's no defense at three seconds. You can knock the ball off the rim if it rolls around, which he's seven foot four. Like, so I, I like him. He's big and he's like, he's not just like seven four and like Wemby. He's like seven four and jacked. Like, he, mm-hmm. I think he could fit in, a, in the right role. But I do think, you know, I do think some of the rules in Europe play a little bit more to his strengths. I was intrigued by the Mark Stein rumor about Dante Hall from Monaco, who's like, a little bit more of an athletic and rangier player. Uh, but I think honestly, like I think Myers Leonard probably be a better fit. Like, 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 like I'm not, I'm not playing. Like I like Eddie Tavares is a monster. And I don't think necessarily Myers could do what Eddie Tavares does in Europe, but I don't necessarily think Eddie Tavares could do what Myers Leonard does in the NBA. And, and, and so I like Tavares and I think it's a good, I think it's a good idea, but, The money stuff is so complicated. Like I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a piece. Yeah, I was gonna let you speak. Explaining to that. it, yeah. and I am still in the process of fully figuring out what the rules are because I've had it explained to me three different ways that are conflicting, and I'm still trying to figure. Like, I had to like look up the provision in the CBA about what it is, and I've asked like, like I asked Bobby Marks, I asked like a few different people who are like you know, like Eric Pink is like, like salary cap experts and and stuff. They told me different things. So I'm trying to figure out what the actual rule is, but suffice it to say, it's very, it's going to be very, very complicated and very expensive to get Eddie Tavares over. And the more likely thing, if they were to go that way would be for them to just do it next year, because that's when his contract with Real Madrid is up and he can just sign anywhere as a free agent and they won't have to worry about a buyout. I think that that's the more likely thing. And and to like that way, like if there's a buyout thing, it doesn't cost him extra money. It doesn't cost the team money. Like, like it's, it's, and he's still 
you know, he's still the best big man in Europe. It's not like he's like living a horrible life. Like, like he, he's still right. the best center in the Euro league and it's a pretty good spot to be in. But so I, I think it was, I think it was cool to see that like they were thinking out of the box like that. Like, you know, like, like Austria, like, like, like the Suns getting Jock Landale last year out of the NBL. Like, like I, I, I like that kind of thinking because that's the kind of thinking that a smaller market team like Portland has to do um, to get an edge on, on the rest of the big markets that don't really give a shit about what's going on in Europe or China or Australia. But like, yeah, I, I like that they're thinking that way, but I think maybe just for this season, it might just not be, I think there are other solutions and other ways in which they can improve the center position and the veteran experience and the strength sure. Because I think it's another thing about like Baji is that Baji is a great athlete, but I don't know if necessarily know if he has the strength to kind of body with the biggest dudes in the league. Like, you know, no nobody can guard Jokic, but at least someone, you know, you got to have a body to kind of bang with yeah. him at least. Drew Eubanks was not up to that. He was just not big no, enough. No, no. And, and I think that's, that's a problem. It's like, I mean, that's why DeAndre Ayton gets $30 million because he has the size to do that, even though if he's not like most people's idea of a $30 million player. You watch more Summer League than I did. I watched the two games that I was at, the Houston game and the San Antonio game, and I just have a blanket policy that I will not watch Summer League games on TV if I'm not there in person. I know you watched a couple of their later Summer League games, and were texting me about certain guys that you like. So I'll let you have the floor about, you know, what you saw out of Summer League, who you like, what, you know, what, what, what kind of your thoughts were there? I mean, the remix fans are going to love Michael DeVoe. That guy's going to, that yes. guy's going to put up so many points, so many numbers. Like, I mean, he, 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 he had that game against, I think it was the Spurs where he just went yeah. crazy um, and, and made like every shot. And uh, so he's going to have a good time in the G League. Um, I think Rupert, Rupert had some great defensive moments. I thought he showed great defensive instincts at being disruptive on the dribble and being disruptive in passing lanes. Obviously, he also is going to need uh, some time in the G League. But you can see the raw talent is there and, and, and the athleticism and, and the instincts about where things are going to happen. Like he has high, a high basketball IQ on the defensive end. Um, and Jabari Walker, his yeah. three was looking a lot quicker. He was taking it with zero hesitation. If you gave him an inch of space, he was shooting it quickly. I love to see that his basketball IQ, you know, I think that was really the big takeaway from summer league. Number one for him was just like, he knows how to play. Uh, but I thought the three point shot and the, and the quickness with which he was shooting it was really encouraging for him and his growth and his potential to help space the floor, you know, for the guards on the team, maybe even play some small ball five, kind of replace that trend in Watford role, so to speak, where Watford was the small ball five that the Blazers usually went to. Um, I liked Reith. Uh, uh, yeah. I liked him. Uh, I think he would be great in the G League as well. Uh he looked like he had a good jumper. He's a little bit, a little bit of an older guy. I think he's twenty-seven. Yeah, and, and and who knows? So I think you know, having vets on the G League team is a good thing. That was the whole idea behind the ignite. Right. Yeah. And, and so I I think that's cool. Gosh, I'm trying to think of who else I uh, stood. I mean, Shaden had his moments like where like he just looked like he was totally in control. 
he had that one game against San Antonio, the, the DeVoe game when DeVoe just went crazy that he didn't look very good at all. But I think in every other game he looked good. I think it felt like he had one bad game and then a bunch of other pretty good games. And to the point where he didn't play in the last one and didn't play in the second half of the second to last one, it felt like they kind of just like, hey, we we get it. Like you, We saw what we needed to see. Yeah, uh, I liked that a lot. Uh, I mean, Jabari Walker, I, I, I love watching Jabari Walker. I, I, I think that's like the one thing is like, I just hope he plays more. And maybe that, you know, obviously the money flexibility, but that also could have been a reason why they let Trendon go is just like, here's a guy that does a lot of the same stuff that Trendon does, you know, like – I like in, in, in that. And I think he's probably a better defender and better rebounder too. Um, than than Tr- Jabari Walker is the backup power forward as of today. They're going to, yeah, they're going to, they're going to need him. <laughs> they're going to need him. And, 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 uh, and with how, you know, sometimes Chauncey gets frustrated with Nurk, like he might have to play some five too. He, like, he, like, I remember there was one game last year where he played some five and it was successful. And, and yeah, granted that was a very, it was like a five minute stretch of one game, but you know, yeah, that's, I, I they're not going to have many other options with the roster the way it is right now. No, no, it's, it, they, they don't have any other options. I'm trying to think of anybody else from, from the G league team that I watched that stood out. Um, I, I watched Scoot's game on replay, obviously, you know, yeah. I, I don't think I need to say anything about that. It was ever, ever. Yeah, scoots. He had rave reviews from yeah. literally everybody. Um, yeah. It was very funny. I was with Meringue and uh, we were watching. And I, I, you know, Brandon Miller, I think, like, like he, he was pretty rough those first couple of summer league games. He got better as the week went on. I think he's going to be fine. But there was one moment during that first game the scoot game where meringue and i were sitting next to each other on those baseline uh courtside seats on you know at thomas and mac and over to our left were mitch cup danny actually tweeted a picture of this but it was a picture of mitch Kupchak and jay cole just like you know, standing together watching scoot well and scoot and danny scoot says, and amen too because amen looked really good <laughs> yeah i mean i, I like the twins a lot before the draft too but like you know wondering like are they watching this and wondering if they did what they should have done i don't know yeah again i brandon miller's probably gonna be fine i'm not i don't want to i don't want to pile on the kid you know it you know the a point that's been made is that scoot's type of player does a lot better at summer league than Brandon Miller's type of player, especially when the Hornets summer league team didn't have a point guard. That's actually kind of everybody was going crazy about that first Wemby game, which I did not see because the Blazers had the game right before that. So I was like running around doing media stuff, but Wemby wasn't good in his first summer league game, but it's also like, yeah, the sum, the summer league Spurs team didn't have a point guard. Like, of course, like your center is not going to, you know, be at his best and, to his, and then he, to my, his credit he looked awesome in the second yeah game. he looked great he had 27 he was hitting the he hit a huge three i mean i mean there was this one play and it happened like right in front of me because it was whatever half of the game that the spurs offense was on my side of the basket there was this one play where Wemby, uh you know he, he shoots a floater from one side of the of the of the basket it misses and then immediately he covers enough ground to like be able to in like a half a second like dart over to the other side of the of the of the basket get the rebound and then go up and dunk over Baji. he's unreal like let, it's like it, I, I, let, watching it up close is just insane yeah, yeah. And, and like he had a bad game sure but like 
like I did watch him, and like a lot of times, like there were like Kulabali was on his team, and like he got a lot of buzz. But like for the most part, when I would watch Wemby's French team games, like the guards did really pass in the ball. Like he's always had to fight for his own. Like he was on the uh, Asvel team with like a bunch of older vets, and like played a role coming off the bench. Like he was used to it, and and he's just, I mean. Yeah, I, I I love. I think Scoot does have a chance to win Rookie of the Year over Wemby if 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 things break the right way. But I would not say that like I'm like Wemby's a bust. Like, although I have to say, also I think an underrated factor about him having a bad first game has to be the Britney thing. Yeah, like that. that yeah, like that has to be a huge factor. Like he was like introduced to the American tabloid press instantly. And then has a bad game like the very next day. Like it sh- shouldn't have been that shocking that like he brought he wasn't having a good time. It seemed like in in general, so that he played poorly is as, as an extension of that makes a lot of sense. And he says something to the effect of like after after his second game where he was like, "I can't wait to just disappear from the media for a summer." Yeah, because it. Which I think that's kind of what the Spurs, I mean, I mean, I think the Spurs just like, I was talking to some San Antonio folks when I was down there, but like, it sounds like the Spurs wanted him to get a couple games just to get him a taste of NBA competition. And then they wanted to just pull him and give him a break just to, you know, because he's had such an insane, however long. Well, yeah. And he was playing up until like two weeks before the draft on, on his French team in the finals of the French uh, league. And and he also, like, after going to dinner with all the Spurs legends, like, the next day he's like, I'm not playing for the national team in the FIBA World Cup, which, like, I mean, for France, it doesn't really matter. They're already going to be in the Olympics because they're the host. Yeah. So it doesn't, they don't, like, it doesn't really, like, that doesn't, the the FIBA World Cup doesn't matter as much for France as it would for the, the actual Olympics, which I think are the big, the big thing for, for him. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I had a good. I, I loved watching uh, the one scoop game. Yeah, Miller definitely improved. I, I I'm gonna be honest though. I didn't really have a lot of other takeaways. I was pretty much only watching the Blazers in summer league. I I, I can't. I, I don't blame I, you. I don't watch. I don't watch too much summer league. Either. Like I did hear. Like it, I I thought the Amoni Bates story was cool. Like that he mm-hmm. that he got a two way and made a team basically in summer league after all the stuff he went through going from being the number one recruit in his class to, you know, a guy that barely got drafted in the second round. Uh, so I, I thought that was really dope. Uh, the, I think the Amoni Bates story is probably the coolest thing about Summer League um, mm-hmm. from, from my perspective, other than like anything Blazers related. But uh, I think I think the coolest thing, I think G League, the, the remix is going to be uh, pretty fun. And I think a lot of these guys are going to get a lot of good development time down there, which, you know, I think, you know, the last regime didn't really believe in the G League. And I think I think just having guys stay sharp and play real games if they're not getting minutes at the big club, if they're not in the rotation, like I think that is is ultimately a really good thing. Uh, it's, and yeah. so – but, you know, I, there's obviously a lot of big holes uh, on the roster still to fill. Yeah. But, man, I'm – some stuff that has to be figured out. Yes, yeah, they they, they do. They have they've got to figure it out, and I I just think the way that they're like I think one of those things has to give right. Like either the insistence that the Dame trade is going to take months, or 
the insistence that they're not going to do anything until the tra- Dame trade gets resolved. Like they've got to. One of they those have two to re- things has to yeah. Not. One of those things has to not be a thing. They've got to reconcile one of those things. And to me, I think it's more likely that they reconcile signing someone to beef up the roster because they can do that. Uh, but you know, for the roster flexibility reasons, for wanting to keep roster spots open, et cetera, et cetera, they're not doing it. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they do. But I, I still, I, I think they've got to make at least one move. 